right. Well, good morning, everybody. We pray that you've had a good week. It's uh, it's been one of those weeks where you're just, for me at least, it's uh, you just got to keep thinking, saying, "Wow, what's where am I? What's going on? What am I really doing? Am I making any headway in the Christian life? Am I making any headway? Is, is there any? Am I fooling myself?" As we learned last week, uh, we are all to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. Which, uh, as we saw, means to be striving to live in a way that honors and obey God. And, and, you know, uh, I was so encouraged at community group on Friday night that um, many uh, understood the point that beating ourselves up for not being perfect does not glorify God. But at the same time, we can't say because, uh, you know, I'm okay not being perfect. There is a balance. And that's really what we're going to learn today, uh, as John will tell us, as we'll continue in our series in, in fellowship with God. Remember that the key to understanding this balance is the idea of the word walking, and what it means to walk, to have a life that is characterized by striving to be obedient to the commands of God. And that if we do sin, John reminds us that we have an advocate with the Father the Lord Jesus Christ, an advocate, one who stands in our place, one who comes and defends us. Today we'll see that fellowship with God involves both the idea of knowing and keeping. And, and many commentators will take this section in 1 John that John is now laying out the tests. We've talked about what it means to walk in the light. Now we'll have the tests of keeping, of knowing and of keeping. And so we'll keep that in our mind. Um, I would ask you that you would stand with me as we would read from God's word and we would first pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that we sung because it's true about you and it's also true about us. You are stronger. You have saved us. Sin is defeated. And for many of us, Lord, we perhaps feel that we're overwhelmed, we're burdened by the cares of life, wondering what's going to happen, standing on a precipice, as it were, and wondering, and yet we know that you've been faithful, and you'll do it again. And we ask, Lord God, that you again would open our eyes to your word. We ask again, Lord God, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit says to us this day. I pray, Lord, I deeply pray, Lord, that today would be a day of encouragement. Today would be a day also of conviction. That we would have hope and that our God is instructing us and teaching us. How great it is that you, God, would instruct us and teach us and lead us in the way that is everlasting. We ask it for the glory of Christ. Amen. This is what God says to us, 1 John 2, beginning in verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word in Him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 
Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not have and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, and the love, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eye, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We're primarily going to deal, well, not primarily, we are only really going to deal with verses 3 to 6 today. As we said, we have the tests of knowing and of keeping. The first test is that of knowing. Listen to what John says. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. John begins by stating that we can know that we know God. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. The word know, it's the Greek word gnosko. It means to learn or know a person through direct personal experience, implying a continuity of relationship. It's the same knowing that John alluded to when he says, that which we've seen, that which we've heard, that which we've touched, this we declare to you. He knew Jesus. We can know God. We can know that we know that we know God. Do you know that you know God today? Do you have that assurance, that certainty today that you know God? Or as Paul would say, rather, that you have come to be known by God. John uses the word know 30 times in his letters. It's obviously a concept of which he is deeply concerned about. He writes in uh, uh, 1 John 5.13, I believe it is, uh, by this we know that we have eternal life. That's the verse that I always use with uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses when they come. They come and I ask and I bring them to 1 John. I said, do you know, do you have certainty that you have eternal life? The answer is always no. We bring them to the fact that, hey, you can know that you have eternal life. I was with somebody last week. I visited them at the, the veterans' home in Paramus, and, and they said, I certainly hope I'm going to go to heaven. And I said, don't you want to know that you can go to heaven? And began to share with them how they could know that they go to heaven. Do you know? Do you know today? We can know that we know God. We can really know that we know God. 
And we can know that our obedience is the evidence that we know God. That's what John says. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. There is absolutely a beyond the shadow of a doubt knowing that we can know about God and our fellowship with Him. Jesus prayed for us that we would have this absolute, concrete, knowing knowledge of God. He used it in His high priestly prayer in John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they know, same word, you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And we must ask ourselves always, do you have eternal life today? Do you know that you belong, body and soul, to the Lord Jesus Christ? What is your only hope in life and in death, as the catechism would ask us? And rightly so. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, let let me phrase it correctly. Do you know God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you had your sins cleansed? by Jesus Christ, so that you could walk in the light as He is in the light? Do you know that today? And if not, why? Do you even care today? And if not, why? Why would you not care? What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? Loved ones, we must ask ourselves always, do we have eternal life? And I would ask you, I I don't know everybody here today, do you have eternal life? Do you want eternal life? And if you do, it is, such a, it is so easy to get. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's that simple. Believe on what God has done for you and begin the journey of learning how to walk in the light as He is in the light. We, as a church, will absolutely come alongside you, help you in any way that we can. I hope you know that you have eternal life today. But John says, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The question is, what is the this? What is the this in this is how we have come to know? What is the this he is talking about? I like what David Allen says in his commentary. He says, we can know What we can know is that obedience to the commandments of God becomes evidence that we know God. Conduct is the best evidence of character. Conduct is to character what leaves and flowers and fruit are to trees. I can know the best evidence for ourselves and for others that we know God is by our conduct. That is why John says the next test or evidence is that of keeping. I can know by my conduct, but I need to keep the commandments of God. Listen to what John says. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep, keep His commandments. But the question is, what is meant by commandments? The Ten Commandments? The 613 laws of the Jewish people? Is it that which John has said he has seen and heard and touched and proclaimed to us? Is that the commandments? Is it the proclamation that God is light and in Him there is no darkness? 
Well, this is where we need to be a student of Scripture and look at context and not just take a verse and say, I wonder what it means, because it's probably explained to us before or after or somewhere else in Scripture. Remember, the best interpreter of Scripture, the best commentary on Scripture, is Scripture itself. And in verse 5 of our text for today, it says this, But whoever keeps his, meaning God's word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. And so we see that in verse 5, John synonymously uses, or in the same way, you know, there's my great English again, that John uses commandments and word interchangeably. And so that we can actually define commandments that, as this, anything that Jesus teaches. All that the scriptures teach are Jesus' teachings. All that the scriptures teach are Jesus' teachings. John says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The word keep, to arrow, means to watch or to guide or to guard. The idea here is, is to place value upon or to put in a safe place where what I am keeping can be guarded. Do you have valuables of which you perhaps have a safety deposit box? You perhaps have a lock box or a safe in your house of which you put important documents in or valuables in? Isn't it amazing the things that we seem that are the most valuable to us and physically we lock away so nobody can see? Um, but do we have a view of God's commands of the teachings of Jesus, do we guard them? Do we watch over them? Do we keep them? Do we see as keeping the commandments of God as a burden or a means to life and peace? Listen to what the Scripture says about the commands of God and their value. Solomon in Proverbs, is writing to his son to stay away from the adulterous woman. But it's a principle that applies to our view of Scripture. He says, My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teachings as the apple of your eye. David, on speaking of the value of Scripture, says this, Moreover, in Psalm 19.11, Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. That's just two of many. When we keep, that is to highly value and guard the Scriptures, we will know with certainty that we know God. We must be very careful that we are not deceiving ourselves in this, though. The Bible very clearly teaches us that outward that we can have an outward obedience only. That on the outward, we can be obedient. Jesus warned His disciples. He said to the disciples, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, who had it all on the outside, you looked at them and said, man, they're religious people. He said, unless it exceeds them, you will not inherit eternal life. Our keeping of God's commandments, His words, the teachings of Jesus, must be motivated by a love for God 
which will result in the assurance of salvation. John MacArthur rightly states, assurance comes from obeying God's commandments in Scripture. David Allen again writes this, When any of the New Testament writers talk about knowing God, they are not referring merely to an intellectual apprehension of facts or truth. Knowledge of God is a robust concept that covers not only what you know about God, but includes a personal relationship with God that begins with faith. It also includes an ever-deepening relationship and fellowship with God that is evidenced by love for Him and obedience to Him. What did Jesus say? If you love me, you will obey me. A desire, is not a desire to obey is not enough. We must obey what God commands. A desire to obey, and we may have a desire to obey, as, as even uh, Sunday school, what a compliment this is going to today, as Mike was talking in Sunday school about the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and you have, uh, I know I, I need to do what the Holy Spirit is telling me. I need to deal with something. I need to act in a certain way, but yet we keep pushing it away and become seared in our conscience. So a desire to obey is not enough. The old quote says what? The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? I meant to do good, but I never actually did good. A desire to obey is not enough. We must obey what God commands. Listen to again what David Allen says. He just, this is so, this is just beautiful. God puts the highest priority on obedience. This is clear throughout the Bible. Listen to Micah. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6 8. Listen to Samuel. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, 1 Samuel 15, 22. Listen to Hosea, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, Hosea 6, 6. Hear Jeremiah, I do not speak to your fathers, I did not speak to your fathers or command, command them concerning burnt offering and sacrifices, but this command I gave them, obey my voice, Jeremiah 7, 22 and 23. Hear Amos, Isaiah, Micah, John the Baptist, and James. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. John is, is simply repeating the echo that has come down through the canyons of Scripture. Obedience to God is paramount. Obedience to God is paramount. John again uses contrast to make his point in verse 4. Whoever says, I know him... Concrete, solid knowledge based on the fact that I am obeying God but does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. We must ask ourselves, am I keeping the commands of God today? Am I perfect? That's not what was asked. Am I striving, desiring, walking in a way that I so desire, and I am striving in every way, not just outwardly and not just saying I will and not doing, but earnestly desiring to obey the commands of God today. 
Are we walking in that way? Can we honestly say, I know him? But the truth is, I can say I know him and actually not know him. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. The word liars, pustes, means liar. Deep Greek word right there. But it struck me, pustes. You're a pustes. Who wants to be called that? That's like an onomatopoeia word, right? You're a pustes. That's a horrible thing to call somebody. You want to be a, you want God to call you a pustes? A liar? Lying is the language of those who oppose God. Lying is the language of those who oppose God. So know what Jesus said about lying. To the Pharisees, he writes this, to the religious leaders in John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, before we get all down on ourselves, I'm not following the commands of God, I'm not perfect. We must remember that we will sin. And we may have periods of sin in our lives. That is just true. This does not mean that I am not saved. Remember from last week, the key to understanding is the word walk. The word walk, peripateo to live or behave in a customary manner with possible focus upon continuity of action. As David Allen again says, you can tell I really like his commentary, and I would encourage you to get it. It's so easy to read. Listen to what he says. A Christian will have a trajectory of behavior that is characterized by obedience to God's commands. A trajectory Going this way. Are you going forward? Are you making progress? Or as Alistair Begg would say, just a wee bit of progress. Just a wee bit of progress. Are we going forward? Is there a definite change in our behavior? We can say yes. And we can say that I know God. If I'm doing it for the right reasons. Listen to what he says. When we desire to keep the commands of Jesus, an amazing thing begins to happen to us. When I really desire to obey God because I love God, because of all that he's done for me, an amazing thing happens to us. Listen to what he says in verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, guards, desires, in him truly The love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. I have a real desire to obey God's Word. I am striving to obey God's Word. Not my own power. My own power gets me just so far down the road. I'll run out of gas real fast. And then I'll have this weight on me. This hopelessness will come upon you. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. He says, whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. 
By this we may know that we are in Him. Love for God. What does he mean by love for God? It's my love for God is what he means. That's what John means here. The love of God. God loves me, yes. That's not ever in question. It's my love for God that's always the question mark. Always the question mark. Do I love God? Yes. And I love pizza too. Well, the fact is, love is not love. If, you love, if your love for God is equal to your love for pizza, something's wrong. Do you understand, right? My love for God needs to be the highest priority. It's my love for God. And, 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 and it says, in Him, the love of God is truly perfected. This is where an understanding of the grammar of the Bible is so important. It says, is perfected. Teleiu means complete or mature. And what's great about this, it's in the passive tense. That means if it's passive, something is being done to you. You have no control of it. You're you're passive in it. But it's active on somebody else's part. And what John is telling us, as you and I strive to keep Jesus' commands, what Jesus will do is draw us deeper and deeper into himself, into fellowship with the Father through himself. Man, it is through my love of God and my desire to obey him that I come to know that I am in him, John says. How great is that? Jesus says, just, you know what, just, hey, draw near to me. I'm going to draw near to you. In Him, fellowship with the Father through the Son. You have fellowship with the Father through the Son today. Are you striving to keep the commandments of God? Is the love of God being perfected in you? John goes on to say this. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Well, here we go. It seems to be there's no hope here. You're telling me it's God's going to do it, and then all of a sudden i got to do it. Well, which is it? It's both. It's both. You walk, God draws. But the question we should ask ourselves is, how did Jesus walk? In the last year or so, I, I've, you know, and it's interesting because David Allen gives the whole story behind it of the a whole, you know, what would Jesus do movement. What would Jesus do? And I used to aggravate me to no end. He'd do every, I'd always say he, used to, he could do everything that I, I can't do because he's God, right? Really looking at it from the wrong perspective. Now, it, to make a thing and, you know, make sure you have it on your, on your bumper and wear the bracelet does not make you more of a Christian, right? And, and I have always been in movements within the Christian church. I'm usually against it because I feel good about the movement and not about God. Right? My, 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 my focus and my joy is on the wrong thing. But David Allen in his commentary tells the story about there was some small church out in the Midwest. And he goes, and somebody came into a church service in the middle of the church service, came right down the aisle, right like they were picture somebody coming here. They were in rags. I guess it's a true story. They were in rags. They smelled. They were dirty. And they came in and he said, I just want somebody to love me. And as soon as the guy said it, he 
had a heart attack and died in the middle of the aisle. And like nobody reacted to him. And it was a couple weeks later that the pastor from the pulpit, just convicted by God, asked the question, what would Jesus do? And he said, we didn't do what Jesus... And that started that whole movement. We must ask ourselves, how did Jesus walk? What would Jesus do? Whatever situation, I have to ask, what would Jesus have me do? How did Jesus walk? If I'm the walk and the way in which he walked, I must ask myself, how did Jesus walk? Excuse me. Well, we know this. Jesus walked in love, humility, and service. He loved people. He never exalted himself. And he served others even when it was inconvenient. I was reading this morning in my reading my, my daily reading, my daily devotions, in the book of Mark, chapter 1, where Jesus, a leper, comes to him and pleading with him says, if you would. And the scripture tells us, and Jesus had pity on him. And he said, I am. I think of Jesus, who is exhausted. The Bible tells us he's just exhausted. And he tells his disciples, look, let's get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. We're going to get out of here for a while. We just need to get it. We need a break. And you know the story. He shows up on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and there they are. <laughs> They're all standing there waiting for him. He's like, oh. And, but, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus went, oh, great. Here we go. I got to deal with these people again. I need a break. It says he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus served others. He washed the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. He washed, from what we understand of Scripture, He washed Judas' feet. And He knew what Judas was going to do. We are told that we can fulfill the love of God, thereby showing that we have love for God. We do it by keeping the two great commandments. Loving God and loving our neighbor. This is the whole point that James makes when he talks about faith being acted out. Listen again what James says in James 1, to 27. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer <clears throat> who forgets, but as a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Well, maybe we can start there. All of us, me being the chief leader in it, right? Bridling our tongue. 
if we were to make our own version, if anyone thinks he's religious, shut up. (laughs) Just be quiet. Speak when it's appropriate and speak only what's going to be edifying for others. Boy, what a lesson to learn, isn't it? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You see how action is behind it? The motivation, the heart, doing practical, real things. John says that we will come to know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. So we see again a test. We see that we need to evaluate ourselves. Am I walking as Jesus walked? This struck me today, yesterday, I should say. I went and I visited Connie in the hospital. And, you know, we've seen the picture of Connie. If you go see her, the picture, everything looks better in pictures. And I'm not saying she looks, but she's, you could tell she was in series, right? For those of you who don't know, we have a, a good sister here, Connie, who went away to, to Pakistan on a missions trip to, to help Afghanistan, Afghanistan refugees. And while there, there a fire broke out in her room, 25% of her body, second degree, correct? Um, was stuck, she was there for a, almost a month, is that right? A month in Pakistan, um, Visa burned up, passport burned up, everything. Finally was able to get home. I went and I saw her yesterday. And uh, I I couldn't get out of the room fast enough. Now that just sounds horrible. Connie begins by amazed that I would even come see her. Begins to tell me how good God is. And that says to me, Pastor, our God is a refining fire. And God is refining me. I get annoyed at Dunkin' Donuts standing in line for coffee. You got burned 25% of your body in Pakistan serving Jesus, and you're thanking God that he's purifying you. What is, I could, and then they come in and say, you know, we got to take her, she's got to go in the tank, whatever they do, and I'm like, oh, thank God, she's got to, you know, I can't, I didn't want to be there because I'm convicted about my own self. What kind of jerk that I am? And I'm a real jerk. And so are you, by the way. (laughs) We laugh, but is it not true? And I think, and I see my sister Connie, say, wow, what faith. And I, it was really from her heart. She wasn't faking it. And I'm convicted by that, and yet how little am I convicted when I read God's word? When I look at the example of Jesus, and he says, you know what? This is what I want you to do. And I don't have that kind of conviction. What's wrong with me? Thank God for the examples of Connie. We don't want to say, oh, man, I know, oh, no, you're not like Connie, so you're no good. And, uh, but it's a good push. It's a good reminder to push us. that We need to have a balance in 
evaluating ourselves and evaluating others, evaluating our walk. I always find it amazing that Paul was able to hold an incredible balance. Paul could say with all truth, follow me as I follow Christ, and yet at the same time call himself the chief of sinners. Where's the balance in that? That's because ba- Paul called himself the chief of sinners because he was, this is my sin and I know what I've done. And I know who I am. So I have two cautions for us today. Two cautions that I want to make to us today about knowing, about walking as he walked. And if you feel yourself beat up, if you feel yourself under a burden of having to work and earn, maybe you'll be set free today. If you are laissez-faire about your sin, maybe God will convict you today. I hope we're on... I hope that happens for us. There are two cautions I want to make. One, be very careful in applying the standards of walking as Jesus walked to others. We tend to judge without mercy. We tend to judge without mercy. We need to be very careful to first evaluate ourselves, as Jesus says, about removing the plank out of our own eye before we look at the speck in somebody else's eye. doesn't mean we nor, nor sin or minimize sin. We just need to be careful. If I approach somebody else about an issue or sin in their life, make sure that you are doing it first and foremost because you are deeply concerned about their relationship with God, not that you were offended. My offense is a secondary, tertiary issue to the whole thing. If someone is in sin, it means they are out of relationship with God, and I need to be concerned about that relationship above anything else. Second, be balanced in how you judge yourself. I have noticed in my own life and in speaking with others that we tend to have two... We have... We, we have two tendencies. We quickly dismiss our sin, thereby showing we have no understanding of the fact that God is light and that Jesus is our advocate. Second, we overjudge ourselves. We leave no room for the grace of God in our lives or in the lives of others. This is pride and does not honor God at all. Do not be overly judgmental of others, dismissive of your own sin, or overly judgmental of yourself. How then are we to maintain a growing love and obedience for God or to God? Well, if you are struggling right now, you're in a time of struggle, maybe you're dealing with a particular sin, and maybe you're dealing with assurance, then the only logical thing to do is to turn to God in prayer and to His Word. Turn to God's Word because it is divinely given to us by God for us to live the Christian life. As we heard in Sunday school this morning, what does the Scripture tell us about the Scripture? In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Turn to the scriptures. John says, we proclaim to you that which we've seen, heard, and touched. And now for us it's in written form. We need to honestly evaluate ourselves and ask ourselves, am I walking in the light? Am I walking as Jesus light, as Jesus walked? I'm going to give you some scriptures and, and just maybe jot them down. You can get them on, on notes on, on the website in, in, in a day. And make these part of your prayer for yourself. And as you draw near to God, God promised He will draw near to you. In the New Living Translation, Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. What a great prayer to pray. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he has been cleansed from former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's good to test ourselves. It's good to evaluate ourselves. But it's good to let God be the guide in it. It's good to let, listen to God's voice. Not that we ignore the voice of others. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, I've noticed this. Hey, you are take it as from God. Take it as from God. Uh, uh, I've never... <laughs> I love Alistair Begg. You guys know that. And he was sharing in one of his sermons one time. He gets letters all the time. And um, he says he's reading the letters. He says, I've learned not to, you know, when the, the high praise, not to put too much stock in, and they're beating me up, I don't put much stock into it. I go in the, I go in the middle, right, which is a wise thing. And he says he was, somebody wrote him a letter just thanking him for his ministry and this and that. And then he opens up another letter. It has no name on it, no nothing, and all it says is pride goes before the fall. And he said, you know what? I'll take that as from God, as a warning to keep me from going too far. God is so good at that in His Word. 
And as we strive to know Him through the obedience to His commandments, the teachings of Scripture, and to walk as He walked, and as we do that, it's not an exercise in futility. Remember the promises of God for us. We'll close with this. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Let's pray. Father, as the old hymn says, just a closer walk with thee. Grant it, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. For the glory of Christ. Amen. Let's stand. Let's close on a song. Yes. We just interrupt the church, but I guess we're going to ask. Is it twins? We'll find out afterwards. Let's, let's sing. Let's sing. I appreciate your fervor, Darlene. All right, that was quite a monkey wrench. All right, let's stand and close in a doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. And now that the Arnolds have turned red...